Hi, I'm Mike Agarbo, and welcome to the Get Connected podcast, and it's a great episode uh, this week. We're going to be talking to an online music label called Monster Cat. You may not have heard of them, but they're based in Vancouver, Canada, and uh, they have released over 18 number one dance music compilations, over 14 million singles, or sold over 14 million singles, and uh, have amassed more than 12 billion streams. We're going to talk to their founder and CEO, Mike Darlington, about uh, how he managed to make that all happen in this new digital music uh, era. We will also be talking fitness tech with one of our uh, contributors, Maria Duque, and uh, what fitness devices she uses to uh, get the most out of her workouts. And what about the buildings we work in? How can we use technology to make sure that the air we're breathing, the water we're drinking, the lighting we use are the best for us? We'll be talking with Paul Shelia. He's a founder and CEO of uh, Delos and the founder of the International Well Building Institute. Now it's time to get connected. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a great program today. A lot of uh, cool tech topics that we're going to be covering. Uh, we'll be talking fitness tech with one of our Get Connected uh, contributors, Maria. Uh, what she uses uh, when she's out working out, whether she's cycling, swimming, or running. Uh, some really cool devices and apps. We'll also be talking with the folks over at Monster Cat. This is a really cool music label that's based here in Vancouver and is changing the way that artists and uh, musicians are engaging with their, I guess, fans and, and customers. It's it's really cool. They've uh, literally got uh, over 12 billion streams so far from uh, all the different artists and, and music uh, that uh, they are promoting. And I think most people have not even heard of them. So it's a really cool interview. Uh, let's maybe just talk about uh, some of the tech news happening. Uh, Apple had a big announcement. Uh, one of the announcements uh, for the spring rollout were the AirTags, the little uh, trackers. Yes, and you actually got one already. I got one, yes. They, I think, are available uh, now. You can, uh, I think you can order them now. Yeah, April yeah. 30th yeah. was the, the timeline. And we had a chance to actually put it through its paces. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like I've had a tile. That's the big competitor. They've been around, I think, since 2012. Yes. Uh, similar type of concept. You can attach them to a, a key ring or your backpack or, or whatever and use your phone to track it down if you're within a certain range of it. And if you're not, the community, other tile or air tag owners, depending what you're using, uh, if they go near it, you will basically get an alert telling you where your item is. Yes. So we tried it out. Uh, overall, the setup for the AirTags, super easy. And apparently they're going to work best with the newer iPhones. They'll work right back to the iPhone 6S, so don't worry about that. Uh, but you have to have the latest iOS, which is available now, 14.5. Um, but with the iPhone 11 and 12, they have this extra chip in them uh, called Ultra Wideband, uh, the, the Apple U1. The U1 chip, yeah. And with that, uh, it makes things finding, uh, makes it so much easier to find these little tags. So if you've got one on your keychain, if you're within, uh, you know, about 15 meters of it, it'll actually, through the app, have a little arrow pointing you exactly. So almost, almost like a little treasure hunt. Yes. To where it is. But it wasn't completely flawless execution. No, no. I mean, this is the early days of this being launched. Uh, so I tried it out in my backyard. I found out very quickly that if it's kind of an open space and there's nothing obstructing where that AirTag is, 
it works beautifully. But uh, I, I put it behind the shed in my yard just to see if it could see it. If it has to go through any walls, it it cuts down the range dramatically. And that's to be expected, but it was pretty noticeable. So you'd basically have to go around to the side of the shed where you hit it to yeah. actually see it. Yes. The other thing I noticed right away, and you've only had it for like literally, you had it for a day. Yeah. It was a scratched magnet. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. So it's got uh, white plastic on one side that you can actually have engraved with letters and little uh, emojis if you order it directly through Apple. The other side's the silver Apple logo. Yeah, your classic iPod type. Yeah, it's the same metal. kind of finish that the old iPods had. Yeah, which got very scratchy. Yeah, you had it for a day. Yeah, <laughs> it I'm was not very, very scratchy good with stuff, and it was scratched up. Yeah, definitely. But I, I guess that's a thing. It's something that is going to get beat up. Well, because I'm thinking the use case you're going to put it on your keychain, <laughs> so your keys are going to scratch the crap. It's going to scratch it. the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah. Depending how what kind of. Yeah, keychain holder that you have it in. Yeah, and there's already a ton of options out there. Yes, but I even find that found that I could 3D print. There's there's dozens of 3D printable models for those keychain holders. Yeah, so again, it's interesting. So if you're near it, and again, if you've got one of the later iPhones, like a, an 11 or 12, you get that really super um, finding feature on there. But again, if there's anything blocking it, it really cuts the range down dramatically. Yeah which is not to be unexpected. That happens with Wi-Fi as well. Yeah, we're going to be testing it more out in the wild. I think I'm going to put one out somewhere, like in a park somewhere. We should have a scavenger hunt, find Mike's AirTag. Right? Yeah. But we also found that uh, if someone with an Android phone found it, uh, they could actually put it up to the back of their phone because most of the new Android phones have NFC, which is a wireless transfer protocol, and it will actually come up on their screen as to who owns it. That was something I was really surprised. I, I hadn't heard that from the announcements. No. And it works flawlessly. Yeah. So your Android phone has to have NFC. But again, most of the new ones have that. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was cool. Of course, if you have an iPhone, it'll just yeah. automatically work Yeah. as well. But it, you have to have the latest operating system, 14.5, and then it works. We've got an interesting uh, guest on the line now, and I find this uh, fascinating. You know, music has changed so dramatically over the past 20 years with the advent of digital, internet, MP3s. Um, now we're looking at more kind of online distribution and, and labels. We've got a, a cool one here out of Vancouver. They're called Monster Cat. You may not have heard of them, but you're going to about to find out all about them. We've got their CEO and founder on the line. His name is Mike Darlington. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me. Uh, so this is your baby. Uh, back in 2011 is when you guys started this. Uh, tell tell the listeners, in essence, what Monster Cat is all about. Yeah, we are a record label out of Vancouver. Um, real focus in developing um, new innovative solutions uh, for the music industry to create sustainability for our artists. Um, we've been doing this for about 10 years now. It With a real, you know real focus in social media, you know, digital marketing, um, brand discovery, you know, we've, it, it's, it all started from, you know, the, the advent and the growth of, of YouTube and, and, you know, the real momentum of, of the social networks, uh, you know, when we first kind of got going. So that, that kind of concept of uh, community is like really ingrained in, in who we are. What makes you different than like the traditional labels, would you say? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of what we were just chatting about there, like the the focus in, into community, the focus in uh, innovative new technologies, um, 
you know, growing with, uh, you know, the new social networks as they kind of developed. Um, but more importantly for, with our artists, the reason, you know, they stick around, you know, we've built tech that, um, allows for really transparent, scalable royalty accounting. Um, you know, we do very, very fair deals. Um, you know, they're, they're not, we're not signing our artists to like long, you know, problematic locking them into anything. It's like, if they want to work with us, they can keep working with us. And we just try to push ourselves every year to, you know, find new opportunities and, and new ways to, to market and their music and have people discover them. Um, and if we don't do a good enough job, they go somewhere else. So, you know, it kind of keeps us on our toes. I just want to throw some numbers out here, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of these, uh, but it, uh, it says you've released uh, 18 number one dance music compilations, sold over 14 million singles, and have done more than 12 billion streams. That's 12 billion streams for, for your music. That's that's pretty decent numbers. Yeah. Uh, again, it's we had to find a way to, to develop artists in, in the new ecosystem and using new social tools. Um, you know, so you, you kind of see, you, you, you kind of started off there talking about the compilation albums and number ones, and then you went into, you know, singles sold and it, and then into the streams. And it, it kind of like talks about our journey as well. Um, Cause we were very focused in the early days around those, those albums and then, you know, iTunes downloads. And now those are like almost not a priority for us at all. It's about, you know, the streams and, and putting eyeballs on the content and, and then converting those eyeballs and uh, into actual fans for the artists that are going to stick around with them in their career. It's interesting, uh, if you don't mind just talking about the business model here for you and the artists, uh, how do artists make money nowadays on, on their music? Like, how do you help them do that? Yeah, you know, at this point in time, it's, it's taking every possible royalty stream and every possible way that an artist can generate revenue and pointing them all back to the artist. Um, it's a lot of areas that are paying little bits of money that, you know, when they, when they're all combined, it adds up and it's, it's quite uh, impactful. Um, you know, I'd say the majority is coming from their streaming revenue still, at least the revenue that we, we, we uh, collect and pay out to the artists. Um, but then, you know, between their, uh, you know, advertising revenue, their apparel, their touring, um, it's just a lot of little places that all kind of add up, which it actually creates a great uh, sustainable uh, opportunity for artists because they're not, you know, solely relying on, on one thing and the success of one thing. How has stuff like the pandemic changed that model? Because it seems to me now is a, a really great time for people to start exploring new things that, because you can't go on tour, you can't go to a live concert show. So people like your company that have this infrastructure set up where you're, you're all dialed in, you can really find interesting new artists all on social media and you know pretty much anywhere that anyone wants to play you can find music now yeah the pandemic it, it's been tough um for our artists uh you know their their whole careers kind of got flipped on their head um you know people are like artists have been hurting like a lot um, over the last year but the beauty of the internet and the beauty of a you know the silver lining to a moment like this is that it forced everyone to think outside the box and to try new things and to try, you know, dabbling in virtual reality, dabbling in, you know, creating uh, tutorials and lessons and sample packs, dabbling in NFTs, dabbling in, you know, just so many different places that artists might not have had the time or the motivation to try before. Uh, 
and now they're trying it. And in some of these cases, it's working. And in some of the cases, it's not working. And they're, they're moving on to the next, you know, attempt. Um, but what's going to happen, though, is when the world reopens and they're like, okay, cool, I can do what I did before, they're now going to have a new arsenal of these weapons to, that can uh, further push their brands and their music and, and create new revenue streams for themselves that, you know, I, I hope, yeah, I hope that we are in a new era of the music industry. I hope that artists don't feel like, you know, my only opportunity to succeed is I have to become a, you know, big touring artist. Uh, because the reality is a lot of our, the guys we work with and a lot of the musicians out there, they don't love touring all the time. They don't love being on the road away from their families. They'd rather be doing what they love, which is making music. And that's kind of why they came up in the first place. So uh, it's going to be really interesting coming back, but I think we're going to come back in a, a really healthy way. Talking with uh, Mike Darlington, he's the CEO and one of the founders of Monster Cat. Uh, what kind of music do you guys specialize in, and where can uh, our listeners like find the artists and the music that you guys are, are publishing? Yeah, we we really specialize in electronic music. Uh, we cover a very wide variety between our three brands. Um, our Uncaged brand is more, you know, bass music cleaning, you know, dubstep, drum and bass. Our Instinct brand is more pop crossover, um, house music. Um, and then our newest brand, uh, a brand called Silk, is um, more deep house, progressive house, chill out music. Um, so in that, in that kind of one statement there, you know, you see that we cover majority of the spectrum of, of electronic music. Where you can find us? You know, Spotify, uh, if you search Monster Cat, you'll find our playlists. YouTube, same thing. Search Monster Cat, you'll find our three uh, branded YouTube channels. And uh, it really, you know, we're anywhere you want to consume music, our brand exists and our artists are uh, available. We've made it, we've made sure of that globally. Um, so it's more about where people personally choose to want to listen to music, their own consumption. How do you select uh, the artists you, you work with? Like if I was a musician and wanted to um, get my work published through you, like what kind of thing would I go through? Uh, we have a, you know, a great tool called Label Radar, which you know, all of our artists um, can submit, all artists can submit to. Um, and then you know, what we look for, it, it's, uh, there's no like one specific thing. We, we, we look deeply into the artist, their, 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 their music, their history, you know, who they are as people. Um, we really try to do a, a, a deep dive and make sure that there's, there's multiple songs that we're, we're excited about. Um, because at this point, like we've scaled enough with our organization, the size of our team that, you know, we're asking for a lot of people to put their time into, you know, dedicated to an act, an artist. And we need to make sure that everybody is like, understands why we're doing this. And they, they understand why their time is being put here and not somewhere else. Um, so yeah, it's not really one thing specifically. I have to ask this because it's a big thing now. Uh, are you guys getting involved with NFTs, non-fungible tokens? It's kind of all the all the rage and all the news, you know, for for creatives. Yeah, um, heavily. You know, I, I really believe that uh, NFTs have have leveled the playing field and created a new form of of revenue for digital creators. Um, I think the thing that's you know interesting is that it's still you know NFT has been around for a while, but some of the new protocols and new um, blockchains and new technologies are are relatively fresh. So everyone's just trying to figure things out right now. It's kind of a, a wild west, and you know criticisms people have for the 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 art the art the technology you know 
those are those are kind of expected in this time where things are changing and people are committed to improving you know how this this technology works so yeah we're 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 really deeply looking into this and and creating new opportunities around it for our artists um but what we do today and what we do you know a year from now could look completely different because the whole market and the whole you know tech stack can change that much in the time period what do you think is going to help you stay ahead of this changing industry and as as you just said it is changing rapidly all the time like how do you keep up with that pace to be honest i'm a massive collector i'm like so like into buying and trading and selling myself that it means that I'm kind of finger on the pulse. And I think that's really one of the only ways to do it because in any any other way where you're not engaging in the community, you're not collecting, you're not following artists, you're not hearing their stories means that you're just coming in to try to make it work for you yourself and your brand and your, your artists. And um, I find that that doesn't really work. Like you really have to understand why this is happening and who this is working with and for um, and realize that, you know, this was, so at least on the art side, NFTs are a very broad topic, but on the art side, you know, this developed for a purpose and we need to make sure that we continue to support that purpose, that it is creating sustainability for, you know, digital artists and they have new revenue streams and royalties for the first time ever. Uh, and that they can, you know, work with musicians and brands in a organic and healthy way where they, you know, they're, they're paid fairly. They receive royalties fairly. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I stay connected is just I'm I'm a part of it deeply. We are talking with Mike Darlington. He's one of the, the folks behind Monster Cat, uh, a music label based here in Vancouver. Uh, again, I hadn't heard of them, but uh, once I did, they've got a lot of great uh, uh, playlists and, and, and radio stations you can listen to on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, you've got offices all around the world now. Yeah, you know, down to LA, Singapore, we have people in Melbourne. Um, yeah, at this point, it's out oh, in Russia. Uh, it's it's really growing globally. Um, the three main offices are, are Vancouver, Los Angeles, and Singapore. What's your future in the next five, ten years? Like, where do you want to be as a business? Yeah, well, that's a that's a pretty major question. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what I can say is, you know, we're, we're, we're doubling down in the areas that we are strong, um, the are things that make us unique, that provide real value for artists. And, you know, we're doubling down in our, our commitment to artist sustainability. Um, you know, we, we, we track how many artists are, can live off of the revenue they make just from MonsterCat. And we like, really want to scale that number. Because um, at that point, whatever they make from touring or their side gigs, it's, it's, that's their gravy. That's their, their, their take home. So... Uh, that's really a driving force for us in, in a in a real way, and it seems like that that feeling is is traveled through the organization and clicked with people, and it's like the reason why they they're working on these things. Um, yeah, I, I had a conversation today with a, a coworker because uh, he kind of asked like what that dream could be, and I, I realized I'm like you know the true dream, the the ten year dream is like you know we can contribute to a a, a creative economy where you know, young people who are getting into the arts growing up, it's not seen as like a, you know, a scary thing that, you know, it'd be safer to go into, you know, maths and sciences and, and business. Uh, if we could create a help create an economy where it is 
a real opportunity for people to reach sustainability from art and the arts in general, not just music. Um, yeah, then, then we've done some, some real good. I want to thank you for uh, joining us today, Mike. Yeah, guys, I, I really appreciate it as well, you know, for bringing me on and for, uh, you know, having such insightful questions that make me think. Thank you. <laughs> that was Mike Darlington of Monster Cat. And really, I encourage the listeners, uh, you got to check out some of the music uh, that they have. It, it is really great music and it's uh, a wide variety as well you can uh, check them out on places like spotify and even up on youtube well we talk all sorts of things about uh, technology from computers to phones to electric cars what about buildings smart buildings smart buildings well we have a great guest with us today that is going to talk about the future of buildings and what we should expect about the buildings that we're working and living in his name is uh, paul shayla he is the founder and ceo of uh, Delos and founder of the International Well Building Institute. Did I pronounce that right? Delos, Delos, uh, Delos. Either way, yep. That's 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 great. Perfect. Uh, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, your company and what it's all about to start off. Great. Well, pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, we have been merging the health sciences with the building sciences for quite some time. In fact, over eight years. Uh, the first half of that was pure research, uh, getting the medical community, uh, the health scientists together with the building scientists. Uh, so over 300 doctors from great institutions like the world-renowned Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, uh, and others worked directly with owners, operators, developers, architects, engineers, designers, facilities managers, to best understand our indoor environment and its impact on the human condition. Looking at all the elements that surround us inside, air quality, water quality, lighting, thermal, acoustics, biophilic elements, uh, cleaning protocols, HR policies, and mapping them directly to our respiratory, cardiovascular, immune, cognitive, digestive, and sleep health outcomes. So it's an interesting combination of, again, health and wellness uh, with uh, real estate. Given we're spending over 90% of our lives indoors, our homes, offices, hotels, hospitals, schools, stadiums, we felt that we wanted to uh, really put an evidence-based approach to understanding how the indoors uh, impact us. And how are we doing? Well, I got to tell you, you know, for the better part of human history, right, call it 100 plus thousand years, we spend most of our lives out, 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 outdoors. Uh, we woke up with the sunrise. We were active and energized and productive across the, uh, through the day under a very bright sky as that bright light would hit our circadian optic nerve and boost hormones for energy and productivity and movement. We breathed pure air. We drank pristine water. We slept in cooler temperatures versus warmer and in fact slept in complete darkness. Uh, that's been all disrupted, uh, particularly over the last couple hundred years as we've built these boxes around ourselves called four walls and a roof and spend more and more time indoors. Um, there's a lot of work to do, uh, but there are ways to uh, scale very effective solutions to address indoor air quality, for instance, uh, which is obviously a, a heightened concern uh, recently with this pathogen environment. So we're not doing so good, is what you're saying, but uh, obviously room for improvement. So starting off with air quality, uh, yes, I think a lot of us are concerned uh, about uh, that. What are some of the things that you're looking at uh, to improve that? So we have been looking at ultrafine particle filtration and air quality for the better part of five years. We understand the size of a pathogen concern, such as SARS-CoV-2, and how to effectively uh, help remediate uh, indoor aerosolized particle transmission. Here's the good news. Uh, solutions exist. Uh, and in fact, they're quite affordable and quite scalable, whereby when you take a standalone 
portable or wall-mounted approach as opposed to getting into HVAC and inefficiencies therein, you can get to 99.97% efficiency of air uh, particulate uh, remediation down to 0.007 microns, which is smaller than the smallest pathogen size. That's 40 times more efficient than a HEPA filter, uh, and it's something that's a couple hundred dollars plugs into the wall. That doesn't sound expensive. No, uh, these are scalable solutions. We've actually been uh, become now over the last seven months uh, in the United States the uh, the nation's largest solution provider for public school classrooms. Uh, we've put almost a quarter of a million of these devices into public school classrooms across the country: New York City, Chicago, Boston, Baltimore. Uh, this is a scalable approach uh, that has been uh, tested and, and tried and true here. So, I mean, there's two types of buildings to look at. Obviously, new ones that are being uh, developed and under construction and obviously existing buildings, which it sounds like you're kind of going on both paths, really. Yeah, 98% of the square footage uh, in most places already exists and is occupied. Uh, so putting forth solutions just for new construction is not going to be viable from a societal reach standpoint. So a lot of our work is how do we take any building, uh, big or small, new or old, doesn't matter if it's couple hundred years old. In fact, we've put solutions into the Vatican uh, of all places to give you a sense of the type of buildings and sizes um, uh, that, uh, that are conducive to good outcomes. Uh, and so, yes, we do a lot of work looking at existing buildings, uh, whether they're challenged or not, uh, and how we can apply health interventions uh, to impact occupants. So how do building owners like get involved with you on this? Like, do they contact you and you come in and check out their building and tell them what to do? Yeah, so there's two components to our organization. As mentioned, the International Well Building Institute, uh, which is our subsidiary, that's the world's largest certification body for healthy buildings. Now in 81 countries, uh, approaching 2 billion square feet of buildings that are become well certified. Or in fact, recently, the newly launched Well Health Safety Rating, which is a third-party verification of operational protocols and that Well Seal uh, that we're just starting to promote now up in Canada. This has been a very big campaign in the U.S., the look for the well seal campaign. Uh, that's a good element of third-party verification of things like cleaning protocols and emergency preparedness and continuity planning, health services, stakeholder, uh, stakeholder engagement, and air and water quality management. So that's one side of the organization. Uh, I, I, on the Delos side, the enterprise level, uh, yeah, folks contact us, and uh, we put a, a team together to do a quick analysis and, and, and help solution uh, what they're looking for. So if I was going to get, uh, say, like my my local handyman to help me fix some of my problems with my 30 or 40 or 50 year old house would, would in an ideal world, he would be aware of your organization or is there some local organization that he would reach out to, to get some more information about how to do that? Well, we just recently launched the Delos Canada division uh, with some great leadership up there. Uh, and yes, those, those folks are uh, standby for any client uh, servicing that uh, is need, needs to be done. But as far as how this really scales and has scaled globally, we have over 17,000 well-accredited professionals now in 91 countries. These are consultants, architects, designers, engineers, HR professionals who have earned their well-accreditation by taking the exam. Uh, and so it's a professional designation. 
for uh, for anybody in that uh, that ecosystem. So as that grows and moves towards you know fifty thousand and ultimately hundreds of thousands of professionals, that's a good uh, base of IQ, if you will, of folks that understand well building uh, and the well building practices. Uh, but very simply put, uh, the Delos Canada Group um, that uh, that we have launched and is having a lot of traction uh, up in Canada, uh, they stand by, uh, ready to serve clients, Fortune five hundred clients, all the way down to individual homeowners. We're talking uh, all about uh, health and safety and uh, a standard for how we uh, have our buildings, whether that's an office building or where we uh, live. Uh, We're talking with Paul. He's the founder of the International Well Building Institute. Where can people find out more information about uh, what you're doing? Yep. So Delos as the parent organization, that's uh, delos.com. Uh, uh, and uh, the International Well Building Institute is uh, found at wellcertified.com. Thanks for joining us today and good luck with your endeavor. Thank you, guys. Be well. I'm going to talk a little fitness tech. And uh, to help us with that, we've got one of our uh, Get Connected uh, team members. Her name is uh, Maria Duque. She is an all-around athlete, uh, triathlete as well. So I thought we'd get her on just to talk about some of the things she uses uh, to measure her fitness levels. Thanks for joining us, Maria. Thank you so much, Mike. So I've uh, known you for a few years now, and uh, you make me feel super lazy because I always see on your social media posts you're either out running like uh, you know, 50 kilometers or biking or swimming or doing all sorts of crazy exercise. So uh, I thought you'd be a good uh, guest to have on to talk about uh, how you measure all of that. Uh, what are some of the, mm-hmm. the tools that you use to do that? I know you've had things like uh, Apple Watches and Fitbits. Uh, uh, what, what did you start with? Uh, so for the most part, I use the Apple Watch before. Um, I also have some indoor trainers and other devices that can measure part of like the fitness, but right now I am using the Huawei GT2 Pro. So what what do these fitness trackers give you? What kind of information are you looking for? Um, Well, they give us tons of stuff uh, from the speed that you're working at, well, like running at or biking at, uh, to how many yards you are, you have completed of a swim, for example. Um, They can also tell you what your heart rate is, so what heart rate zones you are in, how hard you're exercising, how fast you're going to get tired from that kind of exercise, but also how much oxygen uh, your body, like your blood is carrying through per minute, which just kind of impacts uh, your overall fitness. Well, it's kind of interesting, John, because I have, you know, a fitness tracker. And I think the only thing I'm looking at is how many steps and how many calories <laughs> I've, I've burned. But Maria, you're just talking about all sorts of extra levels. Um, so you talked about uh, this, the, the Huawei uh, GT Pro 2. What, what are some of the things that it measures uh, that just take that to the next level? Well, for me, the thing that it takes to the next level is the VO2 max. So VO2 max is uh, the milliliters of oxygen per minute per uh kilogram of body weight and basically that tells us how much oxygen is being transported in our body and the more oxygen that is being transported the fitter you are um, because you're being able to like absorb more into it and bring it to your uh, muscles and stuff like that which is really special right now with watches Um, it didn't come before before you would have to go to a doctor and get like a test where you would get tubes in your mouth and you would have to run on a treadmill but right now you can do this actually while you're running naturally 
Uh, there's another type of oxygen measurement, uh, and maybe you can help explain this so that I can understand better as well. Uh, it's like oxygen saturation detection, or SpO2. W- what does that give you? So, actually, that one is uh, slightly different. That one is more so for... It is used for athletes, but it is used in general for overall health. So that you would be looking at saturation. You're looking at how much uh, oxygen your blood cells, like your red blood cells are uh, transporting through your body. Basically, it will show you if people have serious uh, heart conditions, for example, are very common to have like lower saturation. So people that are also going through things like chemotherapy or stuff like that, they have to have this uh, measured all the time. But for athletes, it can be really useful to have uh, oxygen saturation as well measured continuously, which the watch can do, uh, because you also like ad- athletes can be quite prone to a heart injury, a heart disease. That is something that you want to measure all day, and your watch can measure it from the time that you're exercising to the time that you're resting and the time that you're sleeping. So that way, you can have a better picture of where your overall uh, health is at. Yeah, from what I understand uh, for the SpO2, not many devices can measure that yet. Yeah, no, that is actually super new. Um, in the past, there were tests that you would have to go to a hospital and get um, like way more complicated tests. Then there was the one that you would put in your finger. Um, that was kind of like the second inaccuracy. But right now, getting this done at the comfort of your own house or when you're walking, it's really revolutionary. It actually gives like a frame of health to people that might be carrying an illness or older people or younger people, even when they are doing leisurely activities, uh, when they are on a trip, for example, that they can't be going to a hospital. How important is sleep monitoring for you? Well, to me, it's massive. Uh, Really understanding how much you're sleeping is huge for an athlete. For recovery, sleeping is one of the biggest things, uh, such as eating as well, uh, can be really important. But in reality... What happens with a lot of athletes and a lot of people in general is you output so much work, but you don't rest enough hours uh, before your next time that you are exercising again. So for myself, it helped me realize that there's times that I believe I'm sleeping enough hours, but actually I'm not getting the right quality of sleep. So the watch is really great because you can leave it on. The battery lasts for a very long time. You don't have to charge it overnight. It will last for two weeks. And so you just keep it on. Next day, you realize, okay, I slept eight hours, Uh, I overslept or underslept, Uh, I went into REM, or I actually woke up in the middle of the night, and there's a lot of things that you don't realize, so the alarm, like, there's alarms also on the watch that can tell you, like, it's time to sleep and stuff like that. We're talking with Maria Duque uh, about fitness tracking and uh, also some of the uh, the newer ones out there like the Huawei Watch GT2 Pro. Uh, the sleep monitoring on that one's pretty cool too. It actually measures six different uh, or common types of sleep issues uh, and gives you even suggestions on uh, how to sleep better, which I think is handy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Thanks for joining us today, Maria. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, John. Uh, I want to throw out to uh, our contest here in a moment, uh, but uh, we had that big uh, Tut Trainer contest uh, where we gave away the Tut Training System, which was uh, super cool, and uh, we have a winner. Yeah, Patricia from Kitchener, Ontario was our big winner, and the folks at Tut actually gave us a discount code. If you didn't win and you're not Patricia, you can use you can get 30% off one of these fitness machines at tuttrainer.ca. The code is GC30. 
30% off. That's pretty cool. That's pretty big. Yeah, we've actually tried this uh, one out. It is actually cool. And they've got the uh, app as well that has all the video exercises to go through too, which is uh, a neat thing. We have a great contest going on right now. We're giving away some Amazon gift cards, like $100 Amazon gift cards. Yeah, all you need to do is go to our website and just look for the uh, the big banner on the top of the page about our contest. Uh, this is really cool because we're actually asking you to find cool tech on Amazon and let us know what you found. And we're going to go through, we're probably going to do a segment about some of the neat stuff that's been coming in and we're getting a lot in already and it's really cool. And we're going to give you a gift card if you're one of the winners to go buy that tech. And we have a secret word this week. We do. It is AirTag. You'll get some additional entries into the contest if you use that code. More entries, more chances to win. Want to talk quickly about a scam that's going on. Uh, as we know, uh, last week, Rogers had that one-day outage. They said they're going to give all their customers a credit. That'll typically just happen on their bill, but already there's a bunch of scam texts going around, John. Yeah, so people are getting text messages that look like they're legitimate. It says Rogers Wireless Inc. And uh, they're basically trying to offer you a $50 credit uh, and you have to click a link to go get it. Yes, this is a total scam. The only credit you're going to get is probably about $3 off your bill (laughs) from Rogers and that'll come off your bill. They are not sending out text messages. Uh, This looks really appealing. It looks like it's from Rogers. They say that they're going to give you a $50 credit, but you have to click on a link. Don't click it. Total scam. Yeah, Rogers Helps actually is saying if you do come across any of these scams, you can forward that SMS to their spam account, which is 7726 on your Rogers network smartphone. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Lots of great tech articles and all our podcasts and video links are up there as well. I want to thank John, Christina, and the rest of the crew for helping put the show together. We'll see you again next time.